Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that there's power in your name, Lord God, to break every chain, Lord God. Lord God, chains of bondage, chains of fear, Lord God. There's power in your name, Lord God, and in your name alone, Lord. We thank you and we praise you for that, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that our identity is in you, Lord Jesus. As the song before said, Lord God, you're a good father, Lord God, and we're loved by you. That's who we are, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that we don't forget that, Lord Jesus, that you are good to us, Lord. You are the only one good, Lord God. And we're loved by you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord God. I ask, Lord God, that you would touch the remainder of this message, Lord. That your word would come forth, Lord. That it would not be mine, Lord God. There would not be words of man, but there would be words of Almighty God, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would give everyone in this place an ear to hear, Lord God. Let them hear what your spirit has to say, Lord God. I thank you and I praise you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Good evening. Um, preached about a month ago about getting uncomfortable. And if we could sit down and talk, I could tell you God made me very uncomfortable last month. So <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. I found myself in a lot of very uncomfortable situations. So, uh, But that's good because the more uncomfortable that I am, the less of me it is and the more of God it is. So. Um, tonight's message I, I titled, Go Without Fear. So if you would open up to John chapter 20. Um, I'm going to spend very little time in the New Testament. Um, my wife and I and a group of friends are trying to read through the Bible in a year. So you're going to get a lot of Genesis, but that's because the past uh, month, uh, two, two weeks, that's where we've been. So um, I apologize for that, but that's where I've been, so that's what you're getting. Um, okay. John chapter 20, verse 19 says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews. The doors were shut. And other translations say that the doors were... Does anyone else have a different translation? Locked? The doors were locked. So the, Jew, uh, the, the disciples are gathering together in fear of the Jews, and the doors are locked. So because they're scared, they've locked the doors, and they've locked themselves inside. It's the opposite of what God wants for us. But fear drives us to do things like that. Fear drives us to lock ourselves in, because that's the easy thing to do. You know what? I'll just grab my family, I'll grab the people I'm comfortable with, and we'll go behind our doors, and that's where we'll be, because fear drives us in. And that's what the disciples were doing. They, were, they, they locked their doors for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now that would be enough to scare the life out of you, because the doors are locked and someone enters. Uh, but Jesus comes through... And he says, peace be with you. And I'm sure he opens with that because they were probably hiding under tables and scared to death. <clears throat> but I want you to pay attention to what Jesus says next. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. 
so he's telling them, hey, get out from this room that you've locked yourselves in and go. Go out. As, as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. Because the disciples weren't doing what Christ had called them to do. They were cowering down in fear. And he needed them, for the church to progress and for uh, the word of God to be spread, he needed them to get out of that room and go. And so he said, as the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. And fear drives us to do weird things, crazy things. And like Pastor said this morning, it drives us to do things that aren't the will of, of God. It drives us, again, as Pastor said this morning, being in our homes with our family in comfortable place, that's a good thing. But it's not God's plan for us to live in fear and to only stay in those comfortable positions. And so we're going to take a journey through Genesis, and I want to I look at, at some different people's lives, and I want to show you how fear caused them to do weird, crazy, stupid things because they weren't following the will of God, even when God had just told them, this is what I want from you. And they said, okay, God. And they went and did what God told them to do. And then they changed what God wanted them to do. And so they started doing their own thing because of fear. So again, tonight's message is titled, Go Without Fear. So we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start with Abram. This is before he's Abraham. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family. So he tells essentially the same thing uh, that, that Jesus said to the disciples. I'm sending you out. He told Abram, he said, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave where you're comfortable. Get away from your family. I want you to go. Leave this country. And so God, first of all, sends him out. And the next thing he says... Uh, and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and, bless, uh, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now imagine the magnitude of that that had to come over Abram when God said, You know, I'm going to make you great. All families of the earth are going to be blessed by you, but I want you to leave where you are now. So you have to step out in faith and believe in me. But God gave Abram a promise to stand on. He gave him something to hold on to. No, God said that I'm going to be blessed. He's going to bless those who bless me. He's going to curse those who curse me. And all families of the earth are going to be blessed through me. I mean, that's something that you can hold on to, that you can hide in your heart and always fall back on anytime you doubted God or doubted the circumstances you were in. God gave Abram that to stand on. But it didn't take long for Abram to kind of mess things up. So God told him, again, get out of your country. And he's faithful and he does that. He leaves his country, he gets away from his family. But if you go down to verse 10, verse 10 says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. So he, he leaves as God instructs, and he goes to Egypt, because Egypt um, 
had resources, and there was a famine uh, in the land. So he goes down to Egypt. He's still following God's word, but it doesn't take long for, for Abram to kind of mess things up and go out on his own uh, because of fear. Verse 11, it says, And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he saw Sarai, his wife. Indeed, I know that you are a beautiful woman in countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. So immediately, he's in fear. He's living in fear. He's fearful. Now, Let's go back, if you just quickly go back to the promises. Get out of your country, away from your father's ha- house, into a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. If he's going to be a great nation, do you think he's going to die now? If all families of the earth are going to be blessed through him, is it realistic to assume that Abram's going to die now before him and Sarai even have children? It doesn't make any sense. So he's, he's acting out of fear. Fear causes, that's what fear causes us to do. Fear causes us to act in a manner that doesn't make sense. It's irrational. That's what fear does. It makes us as humans act irrational. And that's what fear drove Abram to do. Abram went, you know what, Sarah, you're a beautiful woman, and we walk into Egypt, and you're on, you're on my hip. They're going to kill me and keep you. And because he was fearful... He lies. He doesn't stand on that promise. He, he could have gone back and said, you know what? God just told me he was going to make me great. That he was going to bless those who bless me. He was going to bless all families of the earth through me. He had that to fall back on. But fear caused him to act irrational. And that's what fear does to us. That's what it does to me. It's what it does to you. It's what it did to the disciples. You know, they knew... Jesus had been teaching them what the disciples what to do when they were walking through the uh, life with him. He was showing them how, how to witness to people, how to bring the gospel to people. They knew what their calling was, but out of fear, they hid in a room. They said, well, we're going to hide in a room, we're going to lock the doors, because the Jews might kill us. Fear causes us to do irrational things. It caused Abram to do irrational things. Verse 12 again. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is my wife, or this is his wife, and they will kill me, and they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. So it was, when Abram came to Egypt, that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. So the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commanded her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to the Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And so Pharaoh unknowingly takes Sarai into his house, and he treats Abram very well. And he gives him all of these things that were listed, but God plagues him because um, he had Sarai in his house. He was taking her as his. And all of this goes back to the fear of Abram, because Abram was scared, because he was not relying on the promises that God had given him. He didn't fall back onto the scripture. <clears throat> 
And it caused him to act in fear. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken uh, her as my wife. Now, therefore, here's your wife. Take her and go on your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that they had. And so Pharaoh actually, actually acts mercifully on them and, and says, what, what have you done to me? Why have you brought this upon my house? You should have told me that she was your wife. I could have taken her as my wife. And it all goes back to Abram was scared. He was fearful. And it caused him to act irrationally. It caused him, as Pastor said this morning, to walk completely out of the will of God because he was fearful. And he had the promises. I mean, I, I don't know the time link, but it was seven scriptures before that God made the promise. And then ten, or seven scriptures later, he's already acting like a buffoon. But that's what fear causes us to do. It's what it causes me to do. I had an incident on Friday. <clears throat> Carrie walked in. She, she just happened to be in the area, and she was dropping off stuff, and, and she, she had bought lunch, and she was dropping it off to me. And I, I, she walked around the corner. She goes, oh, no, this is a bad time. And I, I said, it's the worst time. Uh, it's probably the worst hour of, of my time at this job. And I won't get into details, but something happened on Monday, and I had worked all week to write it, the, you know, write the wrong that I had done, and then it happened again on Friday. So an incident happens on Monday. I worked really hard. I stayed after work three or four days that week trying to fix the situation, and then the situation happened again because of someone's um, irresponsibility. And when Carrie walked around the corner, I was white. And, and the office staff was like, uh, he looks like he's going to throw up. And I was. I was I, I, I mean, my stomach was in my chest. I, I felt like I was going to throw up. Because that was the last thing in the world that I wanted to happen. And then I had to make a phone call to the parent that I had been working with all week. And before... <clears throat> I was pacing in my office, and I'm like, fear was causing me to do irrational things. And, and also, I was creating things in my mind. I'm like, this dad's going to come through the phone. He's going to grab me by the neck. He's going to come. He's going to shoot me. Like, you know, and so fear causes us, we create these imaginations. And I'm sh that's exactly what Abram was doing. Abram's going, you know what? Those Egyptians, they're going to kill me. They're going to take you. I'm going to be dead. And you know what? I finally just sat down at my desk, and I went... God, I, I can't do it alone. I just need your help. Give me the words to say and, and give me the strength to do this. It, just a small little prayer. I called the dad. He was fine. It was not a big deal at all. Not an issue. It was a non-issue. Um, uh, that's what fear causes us to do. It, it causes us to blow things out of proportion, to act irrational. And that's what Abraham did. And we're going to move on. Isaac does the same thing. So if you uh, would go to Genesis chapter 26. Okay, Genesis chapter 26. This is there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. 
And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. And so now there's another famine. And this time we're talking about this is the life of Isaac. And so we're going to go through what fear causes Isaac to do. Verse 2, Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in the land, and I will be with you and, bl and bless you. <clears throat> For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give your descendants all the lands, and your seed, and your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And so again, God comes to Abraham or Isaac, and he makes the same promise to Isaac that he promised Abraham. Again, Isaac was given the same opportunity to fall back on the word of God, to fall back on the promises of Scripture, to fall back on the, the, the thing that God had given him. He had that opportunity. It's something that he could have relied on. He could have turned to this and said, you know what? God has told me that he's going to multiply my descendants as the stars in the sky. Well, if they take his life, he can't have any descendants and he won't multiply as the stars in the sky. But fear still grips Isaac, as we're going to read. Six, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So he listened to God. He was faithful. Because God said, stay here. I don't want you to go to Egypt. Stay here. And the men of the place asked about his wife. And, and he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say, she is my wife, because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. The same thing his father went through, Isaac went through. And Isaac has the opportunity to go, you know what? God promised to me that I would, I would have descendants as the stars in the sky and that all nations of the earth will be blessed through me and my family, which is a high calling and an amazing charge. And he could, have, he could have held on that. He could have leaned on that. He could have used those words to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to live in fear because my God has told me that I'm going to be a great nation because I'm going to have descendants as the stars in the sky. He could have edified his spirit with those words, but he chose not to. He chose to live in fear. He chose to say, you know what? Rebecca, say that you're my sister because they're going to kill me and they're going to take you. It's the same thing that, that Abraham, his father, went through. <clears throat> Verse 8. Now it came to pass... When he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and, and there was, sorry, and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously, she is your wife. So how, how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might have soon lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Isaac's fear could have brought sin upon other people. And that's a high call. And think about that. Our fear can bring sin onto other people. Because fear causes us to do irrational things. <clears throat> 
We have to, church, we have to fall back on the promises found in this word. And that requires us to read through it and to know the promises in this word. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed that sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. I also want to point out that God still blessed him even though he was a buffoon. Um, Because God's faithful. Time and time again, God is faithful. Even when uh, Isaac is an idiot, God still blesses him. He, he's blessed a hundredfold when he sows. And right before that, he's lying about Sarah, or sorry, Rebecca being his wife. And if you, if you caught at the beginning of 26, he said, I'm going to give you the same promises I gave your father because your father kept my commandments and kept my statutes. And so at any point, you're, you're doubting yourself and you're going, you know, I'm just an idiot. Remember that God's mercies are new every day. And we can call on his name at any time, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Those are the things that we have to fall back on, church, right? Scripture, the word of God, if we hide it in our heart that we may not sin against him, we have to fall back on on the scripture. We have to uh, fall back on the promises found in these words. If you will, turn to Genesis chapter 31. And I'm only going to read one scripture because I want to point something out. We're going to start with, ver- or, uh, we're going to read verse 3. Genesis 31 verse 3. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. Okay, so this is when, what's going on? Jacob has stolen uh, Esau's birthright. He has taken the blessing uh, because his mother commanded him to. He has taken the blessing of Esau. And for fear of his life, he left. Okay? He was fearful that Esau was going to kill him, so he left. And he ends up uh, working for 20 years for Laban. And it's at this point God calls on him and says, Hey, I want you to return home. I want you to return home to the land of your father. And so God is telling him what to do. And if we read 31, he listens to God. He tells his wife, uh, his wives, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. Let's plan to take our stuff. Let's prepare to leave. But I'm going to skip ahead to chapter 32. And we're going to start with verse 3 on 32. So he's returning home. He's returning home to where Esau is. And he's still living in fear. And it's been 20 years. So verse 3. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, flocks and male and female servants and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight then the messenger returned to Jacob saying when uh, we came to your brother Esau and he is also coming to meet you and 400 men are with him 
And so Jacob's been living in fear for 20 years that his brother was going to kill him. That's why he left. And now he finds out that, hey, your brother Esau is actually coming to meet you, knowing that you're coming back, and he's got 400 men with him. And you can only imagine the fear that overtakes Jacob, right? Because he's had 20 years to play this out in his mind. He's let his imagination go. And now it's coming to fruition. And he's thinking, you know what? He's bringing 400 men. He's going to kill me, take everything that I have, everything I've worked for. I've worked for 20 years for no pay. He's going to take everything that I have. And so I'm sure fear grips Jacob. Actually, the scripture says that. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And so, he actually, in fear, he's not acting irrational. This is one of those times that he actually is, is saying, you know what, I'm at least going to divide them so he can't conquer all of what I have. Everything that I've worked for. So he divides everything. And he said, if Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Then Jacob said, O God, Father Abraham, God of my father Abraham, the God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, now I want you to pay attention to what he just did. When Abraham was afraid, he lied. When Isaac was afraid, he lied. When Jacob was afraid, he called upon the name of the Lord and he quoted the things that God had promised him. He went back to the promises that God had given him. Now, I don't know if he learned from the uh, mistakes of his father. I don't know if he learned from uh, the mistakes of his grandfather. But he calls upon the name of the Lord. He calls out and he said, God, you promised me this. And so Jacob said, Oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, he says, This is what you said to me. Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. And see, God told him that. We just read it in, the, in chapter 31, and he's fallen back on that promise. That's why it's important that we have to know what promises are in here. Because when fear grips our heart, when fear grips us, and we're afraid, and we're distressed, and we're scrambling, we can act like Abraham or Isaac, and we can lie, and we can go off of God's will, and the path and plan that he has for us, or we could call upon the name of the Lord, and stand on the promises found in his word. And that's what Jacob did. Jacob said, O Lord, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country, to your family, and I will deal well with you. That was the promise that God gave him. That's the reason why he left Laban. He said, you know what? You promised me that you would deal well with me if I returned to the land of my fathers. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I have crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother of my children. 
And so he calls on the name of the Lord. He quotes the scripture, the promises that God had given him. And then he prays and says, protect me from my brother. I fear him. That's far different than what Abraham and Isaac did. And then he says it again. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand in the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he knows that if his two companies get annihilated by Esau, then those promises weren't true. And that's not what God does. God is faithful, and he's true. And when he gives a promise, he follows through with his promise. No matter how much we mess up, no matter how, no matter how much we're idiots, God is faithful. And see, he knew, he knew that. He knew how faithful God was. And he said, you told me that my descendants were going to be as the sand on the shore. That there are going to be more than that. Well, that all nations of the earth would be blessed through me. And he was able to hold on to that and overcome his fear. That's what we have to do, church. We have to overcome the fear. We can't lock ourselves in a room for fear of, of people who hate us, for fear of people who want to kill us. We have to hold on to the promises found in the word of God and we have to call upon the name of the Lord. Again, verse 12. You said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand on, of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he lodged there that same night and took uh, what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200 female goats and 20 male goats. 200 ewes and 20 rams. 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 fowls. Then he delivered them to the hand of the servant, every drove by itself, and said to his servant, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Who are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. And notice, he's afraid, but he doesn't lie. Right? Abraham was afraid. He said, this is my sister. Isaac was afraid. He said, this is my sister. Jacob was afraid. He built himself up with Scripture, stood on the promises found in the Word of God, and then, when faced face to face with knowing Esau's coming, he sends out his servants and he said, you tell them this is Jacob's and these are a present for him and that Jacob's right behind him. He could have lied. He could have said, tell them you're an Arab uh, passing through. Tell them you're whatever. He could have made up any lie that he wanted to and then he could have went around him. But he was empowered by the word of God and the promises that God had given him. <clears throat> then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in camp. 
And so we go to ver, uh, chapter 33. Chapter 33, verse 1. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there was Esau coming. And with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Think about that. Think about how different that was than the way that he played it out in his mind. And that's what we do. We play things out in our mind. We go, well, if I make that phone call, this is what's going to happen. Or I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid. And we let fear control us, and we act irrational, and we, we let our imaginations creep in. And think about how awesome this reunion was. Esau was happy to see his brother after 20 years. He was happy to see his brother's family, the descendants of his brother. And so there was happiness from Esau, and Jacob was living in fear. But I think the key to this is what Jacob did in his fear was he called upon the name of the Lord, and he went back to the promises that God had given him. And he knew Esau can't, he can't wipe out my entire family. God has promised me that my descendants will be as the sand on the seashore. He, he fell back on the promises that God had given him. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, Who are these with you? So he said, The children whom God has given, uh, graciously given your servant. Then the maidservant came near, they and their children, and bowed down. And Leah also came near, and her children, and they bowed down. Afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. Then Esau said, What do you mean by all this company which I met? And have said, These are to find favor in your sight, my lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, No, please. If I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present uh, from my hand, inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. So he urged him, and he took it. Then Esau said, let us take our journey, let us go, and I will go before you. And so the meeting is a pleasant meeting, and they're arguing over who's going to take uh, the gifts. Esau's saying, no, you take them. And Jacob's saying, no, you take them. And Esau's saying, no, I have enough. And, and Jacob's saying, God has blessed me far beyond what I can imagine. You take them. And, and I've seen your face. It's like seeing the face of God. Just take them, please. And so that fear then becomes... They're arguing over who's going to take the blessings of God. And so what we have to learn is we're called to go out. We're not called to sit behind our doors with the doors locked in fear. And it's easy to do that, especially after um, shootings in Oregon where Christians were targeted. It'd be easy to say, you know what? (laughs) I'm taking all online classes because that's not happening to me. But we're not called to do that, church. We're not called to lock ourselves in because that's what fear causes us to do. Fear causes us to act irrational. And so the way we overcome our fear is turning to the Word of God and the promises that God has given us. 
Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good, right? <clears throat> you know, uh, for I know the thoughts that I think to, uh, towards you, thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Those are the things that we have to hide in our heart, the promises that we have to ha- hide that help us overcome the fear that can grip us. And so I want to end with this. If you turn to Matthew chapter 28. We're called to go. We're called to get out of our house, of our church. We're called to be disciples. And so verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always. We're called to go. We're called to get out of our shut doors. We're called not to live in fear. And one of the ways we can not live in fear is knowing that we're not alone. We're never alone. Whether you're at work, whether you're at school, uh, whether you're at home, and you feel alone, you're not. You are not alone. Scripture says, and lo, I am with you, even until the ends of the earth. I am with you. We go with God, right? Everywhere we go, God is with us. And we can pray, and we can ask for strength, and we're not alone. And fear causes us and it can grip us. On Friday, I, I seriously was standing up against the wall just going like this because I'm like, I'm going to die. This guy is going to kill me. And, and all I could do was call upon the name of the Lord. That was all I could do because I knew I wasn't alone. And that's what we have to do. We have to know we're not alone. Our calling is to go. And if we're scared to go, if we're scared to talk, if we're scared to talk about the things of God, we have to remember this. We're not alone. He is with us. He promised us that in Matthew chapter 28 that he would be with us until the ends of the earth. So if you're, you've found yourself in fear or you have the capability of being scared and fearful, Come down here and pray and say, God, I need your strength. I need, I need your spirit to come fill me, to lead me, to guide me. Because, church, it's scary out there. At any opportunity, someone could walk into the room that you're in and say, if you're a Christian, stand up. At any time. And we have to know that we still have to go. We can't just say, oh, you know what? I'm going to hide in our home. We can't do that. We're we called to go. Christ sent us out. Uh, our, our opening scripture, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. That's our calling. That's what we are to do. As the Father has sent Jesus, he's sending us. <clears throat> Booth, if you've got some music to play, these orders are open. <clears throat>